any of us at any time can doubt the promises of God, find ourselves in Doubting Castle, tormented by giant despair, and the answer is our own breast. Wow. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a president, whether you're a, a, an Einstein or an Oscar, it doesn't matter who you are, you can exercise faith. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with your intellect. You can trust God in your situation. Mm. Amen. And it pulls us out of Downing Castle instantly the moment we believe God's promises. It's Amen. Welcome to the all-new It Ain't Easy Game Show with your brave, bold, brilliant, and humble host, Easy. Did you say brave? <laughs> Thank you, Bob. I'll tell you, it ain't easy being easy. <laughs> Do you guys ever know people that obnoxious <laughs> that uh, laugh at themselves loudly, annoyingly, and seemingly Only endlessly? one. <laughs> Only me? <laughs> oh, man, I have known people like that that will seriously, like, you know, you'll, they'll say something, hey, uh, you know, don't, they'll give you like a dollar or something. Don't spend it all in one place. <laughs> That's <they'll> Jacob. Go, <laughs> and they'll go on and on and on and on. Anyway, <laughs> back to my game show. We can start uh, again if you want. No, no, no. That was beautiful and perfect and wonderful. Back to my game show. I'm going to say an adage, and I want you guys to tell me what company it represents. Here we go. Nike. No. Okay. Melt in your mouth, not in your hands. Evidence. The breakfast of champions. Wheaties. The happiest place on earth. Disneyland. Disneyland. Nuts. They're great. Frosted Flakes. It keeps going and going and going. Your announcements. <laughs> well, you can actually see who has, been, who has been brainwashed by modern television by the reactions. All three of you guys. Mm-hmm. It keeps going and going. Actually, I never ready battery. I most I Whoa. know most of that stuff from branding and marketing books. Energizer Ray. Energizer Come Bunny. On, you guys. Energizer Bunny. Um, finger licking good. Uh, Kentucky KFC. Fried. It's not. It used to be Kentucky Fried, but it's not now. KFC. What is it? Hmm. It's KFC. KFC. They took away the Kentucky. Remember just... when I was in New Zealand? Yes. And we saw one and a girl said, goes, do you have those? those in America? Do you have those in the United States? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it gives you wings. Red oh, Bull. Kentucky Fried Chicken? No. Red Bull. <laughs> Disneyland. Just do it. Oh, Nike. Nike. Yeah, Ray. Yeah, see, you I was early. right. You were early. It takes a licking and keeps on ticking. Oh, come on. I knew. In fact, I know. Oh, I know, I know what KFC. No, no, no. Come on, guys. Red Bull gives you wings. It, Takes a licking and keeps on ticking. Ray, you should know this one. Oh, uh, 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 the old blacks. Timex. 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 Yeah, Remember that? Was oh, like that's right. Yeah. I don't know about the licking, but the ticking thing. Yeah. And finally, Oscar won't get this because he's twelve. Where's the beef? Oh, Where's oh the beef? Burger King or Carl's Jr. What is it? Burger King. Mark, no. Where's the beef? McDonald's. Remember, Remember the old lady? That's, that's really that's old. That's like Where's the eighties. That was one of the most iconic. Slogans of all time. A little old yeah. lady said, "Where's the beef?" It's the Wendy's. Beef. Remember, Wendy's. I got one. I got one. Where is this from? We have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone would know that. They don't even need the slogan. <laughs> yeah, the only one you guys didn't get was Timex. Yeah, that's interesting. It was the timing that was wrong. I typed. How about this one? It. Born free. Oh, uh, Braveheart. Nope. It's <laughs> the movie. Harley Davidson. Oh, really? is that what it is? Yep. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a movie from 1960. Uh, yeah, and there was a great Z, song, yeah. Born Free. Yeah, beautiful. but guys, honestly, great, think great of the movie. power. Think of the power of that. Yeah, yeah. thought about it. Is there more? Or that's it? <laughs> 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 but seriously, though, know, 
I mean, it makes me break out in worship to the Lord. Here you are, three different individuals, okay? Oh, thank you. You're, Appreciate that. <laughs> you're all funny looking. You have these little things on top of your necks. Inside these things that, that are like hard, if you knock on them, there's this mushy stuff. And I say something and instantly all three of you, you're drawing back. When's the last Stored time? Stored in that brain. When's the yeah. last time? I mean, look, and time actually has a little something to do with it, but when's the last time you heard, where's the beef, right, Mark? I mean, decades ago, yeah. probably but you were still able to dig it out. Breakfast of Champions, when's the last time you heard that? You know, mm-hmm. but it, it's just instant testimony of the, the brilliance of I the I can't Lord. wait. Do you have a point to it? No, I, it's, I no think point. he's got a great point to think we're fearfully and wonderfully made that we've, everything we've ever done, said, or uh, experienced is in the subconscious, and it's going to come out on Judgment yeah. Day. Mm-hmm. You, you always just have a smell. You just haven't smelled for a long time. It brings back a memory. Oh, That's true. You hear yeah. a song from the 19... 19- from the 1850s, and you think, whoa, <laughs> just instant memory. And, yeah. and it just shows the power of the human brain. And it's like we're talking about The Rock Johnson being plagued by the memory of the fact that he used to steal when he was 14. But every sin he's ever committed is in the memory banks. Yeah. And if you're going to try and make up for theft by giving Snickers back to the people you stole it from, how do you make up for lust and adultery and fornication? Oh, so how much good, do they right? cost? Wow. I had none of that in mind, but that was really good. <laughs> Ray Comfort will get something spiritual out That's of everything. Right. But no, yeah, I mean, really, I'm just thinking of the marvels of God's design and creation. It makes you want to worship the Lord. It does. And the thing that blows my mind is when you hear atheists pontificate so eloquently and beautifully and brilliantly <laughs> using speech, using brainery, using no, brainery. No, using no, brainery. No, no, no they're not using them. brainery. And then, and then at the end, they're denying, they're denying the God that gave them all those things. Not like, like not realizing what that whole process contains by way of genius design. The fun thing to do with an atheist is say, "Do you believe God gave you a brain?" They'll say, "No." <laughs> Have you done that, right, atheist? Mm-hmm. And they've said no. No. So I said, "Oh, point made." Easy. <laughs> Oh, I can't stand you guys. All right. Um, <laughs> um, we have a comment, friends. This is from, let's see if I'm going to botch this, Scarpenter777. Remember we had one? It was 99999. Oh, yeah. Scarpenter777. So excited to share this podcast. I'm homebound and must rely on a lovely woman for basic needs. Oh, Yesterday, wow. I got to share one of these podcasts with her. I noticed she was taking notes. I stopped in at eight minutes before it ended because she was off the clock. She asked to hear the rest. So I played it, then helped her find the Living Waters podcast on her phone. I commented about how the guys joke about not, uh, jokes are not vulgar. She nodded and said, there is a lot of helpful things that they said. I had just shared the law lawfully and gospel with her earlier in the week. Mm. So grateful to have such a wonderful podcast to share with her. Thank you all for living the word in your behavior. Oh, well, I, you know what I love so much about that response is it was very specific, right? It wasn't just a token sort of thing that somebody could have posted. Love you guys. You guys yeah. are great. He was very specific, and it demonstrated what exactly hit home. I like that a lot. I love that. And the fact that we were able to come alongside someone that's bedridden and help them proclaim truth. Yes, that's awesome. I mean, sometimes it hits me. I was thinking about this morning as I was prepping, and I'm thinking, you know, we come here, we sit in this, this studio, we do our thing. It's just the four of us, but thousands upon thousands of people around the world are being impacted. Oh, by that hard thing with the mushy brain in the middle of it. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I mean, crazy. So anyhow, friends, this podcast is brought to you by My Comfort is Jesus. Ray, how do you feel about using your name in a title? 
Yeah, it's special. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mr. Wade, my brother, who, who was like much older than I was when I was a new Christian, told me when I was firstly saved, he says, no, Ray Comfort, your name, your name is mentioned in the Bible. And I said, really? And I was sincere. He said, yeah, Thessalonians chapter 5, comfort the feeble-minded. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. But yeah, I get a little mileage out of it, and it's it's good for book titles. Yeah, it's great. And what I love about this devotional is it's 365 morning and evening devotions. Ray, who gave you the crazy idea to write you that did. book? And I regretted it three quarters of the way through. It's a massive amount of work. Yeah, you regret it but, now? Uh, yeah, no, but it's what, 700 and something devotions. Yeah. Wow. Well, is that 730, I think? Something yeah. like that, yeah. Uh, yeah, praise the Lord. It's really good. A lot of people have been impacted by it, so make sure to check it out along with The Evidence Bible at livingwaters.com. All right, guys, today we're talking about bunions. Joe <laughs> <laughs> <Tell> Bunyan. <laughs> well, yeah, guys, John how Bunyan. Could, how could anyone name a person Bunyan? It's what like, my bunion? name's Warren Wart. Yeah, people don't listen to me. Steve Rash. No one asks me about names. Um, well, because your name's email. Okay, but but Ray, if your if your last name was Bunyan or Wart or if my uh, name Fungus, was, would you change it? If my name was John Bunyan, I'd definitely change it to Mark Bunyan. <laughs> <laughs> but really, would you? I, I really want to know this. If you had the last name, um, like you, Death, like Spurgeon. Yeah, like, I, but no, like if your last name was uh, Warthog Face. <laughs> I'd definitely change that, really. Yeah. I mean, there's there are last names close to that. There are first names that are absolutely atrocious. I'm just baffled I, that people don't change I their names. I told you guys, have I mentioned how I wanted to change my name first grade? Uh, really? Yes, and you want it to be, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Nebuchadnezzar? Oh, no, no, I got <laughs> it. It's, uh, um, oh, Michael Knight. Yep. Ah, I'm listening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really? that, yeah, yeah, yeah that, he shared it before on the podcast. Yeah, my, I used to be called, you know, they, they'd make fun of me because I was Oscar Mayer Wiener and all those other things. And uh, I, uh, I loved the Knight Rider. And so I wanted to change my name to Michael Knight. So I started practicing, like I used to make comic books and I'd write Michael Knight on there as like, you know, written, authored and illustrated by Michael Knight. And one time I tried turning in a homework assignment in first grade to my teacher and I wrote Michael Knight and she grabbed the paper up at the front desk and she's like, who's Michael Knight? And I was like, eh, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend, the first guy that directed one of my films and my friend's a dying movie. His name was John McDonald and if you even hummed Old McDonald had a farm, <laughs> he would get violent. Oh, Just yeah. a, uh, there, he would get really, really upset. <laughs> but that's what I mean, wow. man. Oscar, uh, you're only 12. Do you even remember? <laughs> do, you, do you even remember? <laughs> <laughs> the Night Rider song. Can you? Oh, dude, it's the it's the beat. Yeah, uh, yeah. I can't repeat Kept. it. Something like that. Obviously, you don't remember it. So bad with repeating tunes and songs. But that that's one of the most iconic shows of all time. So stupid. It was so far fetched. A car that you could speak to. How pathetic is that? A car that drives itself. Yeah, sure, there, buddy. Yeah. Sure, brother. <laughs> I haven't done that one in a long time. All right, guys, let's talk about John Bunyan. I usually just jump into the history. Do you guys, let me? Do you guys want to just at random say anything about John Bunyan before we? Yeah, I'd change my name wants? if I. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Mark's got a story with his corpse. Hey, listener. Have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? 
Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has a hundred dollars. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. Oh, you visited in London, didn't you? Yeah, boy. There, there's only a couple cemeteries that you really want to visit in the world that yeah. have so many people that have been buried there. Uh, Bunhill is one of them, where uh, John uh, Bunyan I had that is, written on the tomb <laughs> is uh, is buried. I actually, if you if you look it up, I actually have a picture. Uh, I'll show you guys. Can you show everyone in the pod? Yeah, the let, me, let me show the. It's right there. But <laughs> on one if side, we met John Bunyan in heaven, he said, "It was Banyan." <laughs> <laughs> Some idiot. <laughs> I'm getting it wrong this whole time. <laughs> it's old English. <laughs> Banyan. But on one part of his uh, sarcophagus there, is that what that would be called? Yes. Sounds like a disease to me. You would have uh, <laughs> Christian from Pilgrim's Progress yeah. uh, carrying a burden mm. up a hill on one side. And I didn't look on the other side. I'm just, I'm looking at it, taking a look, and my son Ethan goes, Dad, come over here to the other side and see what's on the other side. And then on the other side, you see a man, Christian, from the movie, or from the book, kneeling at the cross. Wow, with his burden so, off his back. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. So great. So, so maybe that's a good place to jump in. Uh, uh, Pilgrim's, Pilgrim's Bunyan. <laughs> Easy's <laughs> remix of the book. Pilgrim's Progress. What a legendary book. Printed yeah. and translated into over 200 languages. Uh, one of the most printed books of all time uh, next to the Bible. And I don't know, now they say, uh, what is it? 500,000 in print. Yeah. What? 500,000. Yeah. Pilgrim's million, Progress. you mean? Yeah, I think I got that right. 500 million, right? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just apologize. Yeah. Not, we've got to apologize to Mr. Bunyan when we see him. <laughs> Imagine that. 500 million. Half a billion copies of that book, and uh, you know we're going to talk uh, about the details of that. But obviously, sorry, I got it wrong. Two hundred and fifty million. My oh. apologies. I was thinking of one of my books. Evangelist um, exaggeration. Yeah. My book. <laughs> Seriously, I just got to say something here, and easy. I think you guys would you'd, you'd identify with it. He had one handwritten manuscript of that book. Mm. Whenever I write a book, I back it up. I back it up and back it up and back Can it up. Imagine, Could yeah. you imagine him being in prison, got that manuscript handwritten by him, and some jailer comes in and says, I don't want this junk around here, I'm going to throw it in the trash. Ah, or he accidentally know. deleted it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember deleting, uh, when I was in, in college, I wrote a paper, and I was writing it on, uh, you guys remember the, those word processors? Yes. They were like high tech though, because it was like a typewriter, but it had a screen. Yes. And I typed my whole paper out, and, and then I hit some button, and it just... All of it? Did you go hot? Oh, I could feel the sickness did right you go, now. Did, 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 did you go hot? I, oh, I went hot. I I, I fell apart. I mean, I, this was due, like, I think that it was the next day or something, and I... I oh! I lost a sermon on a computer 24 hours before I preached it. No. And it was like within like the first 10 times I ever preached. Yeah. I know, writing my book, I mean, I'm done, but I'm revising now. I send myself emails to two different email addresses 
and then I save it just to back it up. You know, I mean, yeah. So anyway, um, but you just but do yeah. Two? Huh? You only do two? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm tempted to do more, actually. Uh, but I yeah, said mine so, to Fort Knox. <laughs> for, yeah. So John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress, that's his most famous work. But he wrote a whole lot of other things, preached like a maniac. Uh, he was born back in uh, the 1600s, 1658, in a town called Elstow. That's almost as bad as Bunyan. <laughs> Elstow, Bedfordshire, England. Ray, what's up with... English folk using all these names, Bedfordshire and Yorkshire. And oh, if you want some silly names, go and look down south and see some of the names of the towns there. Over there in Nantucket. <laughs> Nantucket. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I think you just get shorter names and you've got to make up something. So this yeah. will do. So anyhow, Bunyan uh, got married when he was 21. Do and you keep it, saying Bunyan? Bunyan. <laughs> Bunyan. Seriously, if, if for us, because um, you know, bunion is not as often used, but if it was like wart or toe fungus. Yeah, so toe fungus. <laughs> anyway, he got married at 21, and it was through Christian books that his wife brought into the marriage that he ended up coming to Christ. Mm. But it was a battle. I mean, he was battling. In fact, he said that he said, one morning as I did lie in bed, I was as at other times most fiercely assaulted with this temptation to sell and part with Christ. The wicked suggestion still running in my mind, sell him, sell him, sell him, sell him, sell him as fast as a man could speak. Ah, hmm. oh. you know, when I think of what he wrote in Pilgrim's Progress, it, it, it's almost a reflection of his own. It's born out of experience. Yeah. Could only be born out of experience. Yeah, his own battles. Do you know what? Did you hear Spurgeon's quote about Bunyan? Please quote Spurgeon for me. Prick him anywhere and you'll find that his blood is bibline. Mm. The very essence of the Bible flows from him. He cannot speak without quoting a text for his soul is full of the word of God. Oh, wow. I love Ooh, that. That's really good. You know, Spurgeon, we, we've mentioned it before, but Spurgeon was radically impacted by Pilgrim's Progress, loved Bunyan, and loved Bunyans. And um, he, um, he ended up- Bunyan cakes? Yeah. <laughs> Bunyans, <laughs> bunion soup, French bunion soup. Oh. Anyway, Ray Spurgeon, he loved Pilgrim's Progress. I mean, he would quote it a lot in his sermons. Yeah, I, I, I know why, because there's an empathy in the writing. You identify with what he's saying. You know, yeah. you, you you meet the Mr. Worldly Wise Man. Mm. You know, I've met Mr. Worldly Wise Man, guys that just speak of the world, and they think they're wise in their own eyes, and they're telling you they, they're condescending, right. and they know better than the gospel. And, and uh, so when he speaks of Worldly Wise Man and Hopeful and all these allegories and these names that, that exemplify people you know or know of in the world, it's just you identify with this. Yeah, the castle of giant despair, yeah. vanity no, doubting, fair. No, Doubting Castle it was called, and Giant Despair lived in Doubting Castle. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Hopeful. Have you read that, the book? Like that, I said. That is one of my, one of my favorite portions of, of Pilgrim's Progress because Hopeful and Christian found themselves in Doubting Castle, and they were tormented by giant despair, and his wife, I think it was diffidence. I'm not mm. sure what that means. What does that mean, easy, Mr. Thesaurus? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, it probably means ugly I or think... something like that. Anyway, she was pretty <laughs> ugly. She, for, for three days, they were tormented, and then... Christian put his hand on his breast and said, what, what a fool am I? And all he did was believe the promises of God. And the, the wonderful truth behind that is 
Any of us at any time can doubt the promises of God, find ourselves in Doubting Castle, tormented by giant despair, and the answer is our own breast. Wow. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a president, whether you're a, a, an Einstein or an Oscar, it doesn't matter who you are, you can exercise faith. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with your intellect. You can trust God in your situation. Mm. Amen. And it pulls us out of Downing Castle instantly the moment we believe God's promises. It's Amen. Good. Hey, Siri, define the word diffidence. Timidity, shyness. Oh, Siri's changed her voice. Did you hear that? You know what? Siri doesn't talk like she used to. You probably got it turned off. Modesty or shyness resulting from a lack of self-confidence. I say this with some diffidence. Example. Do you think he was trying to write a bestseller? Starting off in prison, finishing off when he's out. Did they have you know, in, his, in, his, right. in, in his intro, he talked about how it wasn't his intention to write that, and then it ended up turning into that. How I many believe. books? Two hundred fifty million. Uh, yeah, yeah. Quarter so of there a were billion. Uh, according to the worldometers.info page, how many people existed at that time? Five hundred and fifty million people in existence. So just about one out of every person in existence at his time uh, equals the amount of people that read his book. And a lot of them be husbands and wives. They only get one book between them. That's right. It was very, Let me very just say, famous. yes. Yeah, well, let's just If I may, I'm reading this book right now by Makata Fujimura called Art and Faith Theology of Making. And in the book, he makes an argument for the importance of, of beauty coming out in art and storytelling and film and music and how that can proclaim, display the gospel when we do it faithfully and when we do it well. Yeah. And I think that John Bunyan is a prime example of that with the Pilgrim's Progress. And I, I just want to read this quote. Uh, I think I read it to one of you guys. I read it to you the other day when I read it. The day that I read it, I read this quote. So this is in that book, The Art of Making. It says, if we believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and that as the New Testament insists, this has brought about the unexpected launch of a new creation of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, then our present vocations really do partake of that new creation bringing fragments and flashes of new creation to birth in the midst of the still darkened and sorrowing world. Here it is. We are to that extent like the spies whom Moses sent into the land of Canaan mm. and who brought back fresh fruit from the promised land to the people still in the desert. That's what artists like Mako are doing making sometimes dangerous forays into God's future and returning to show an often disbelieving world and sadly an often suspicious church what the future is like. Wow. I love that. I feel like John Bunyan, when I, you know, read read that quote, one of the people that I thought of is John Bunyan. And I guess the the reason why I'm bringing this out is because that calling in our lives is still there. For anybody listening who has the desire to create, whether it's through art or writing or music or film, we have an opportunity to be like those spies, to reach out into the heavenly realm and bring back something that displays the glory of God. That's what Ray does every time he writes a book. That's what guys like John Bunyan do when they tell stories, C.S. Lewis, Tolkien, and that calling is still in our lives today. Amen. Do you think he would have written a book if he wasn't in prison with kids around question. his legs? You know, that, that really is a good question. Uh, he wrote nine books, I believe, while he was in prison. And it's good for us to kind of get into that background. So we talked about how he got saved 
I got married at 21, got saved. His wife brought some Christian books. He had deep battles, right? Which is manifested in Pilgrim's Progress, probably a reflection of his own life. But after four years of being saved, uh, he started drawing crowds from everywhere, history tells us. He was a lay minister. And listen to what he said. He said, I went myself in chains to preach to them in chains and carried that fire in my own conscience that I persuaded them to beware of. <laughs> you know, that's a preacher right there, man. It's like, I'm, I'm going to them as, as one who, you know, who understands those chains and I'm, I'm gonna take Good. that fire in my heart and give it to them, you know? So he was a poor man, actually. He was a tinker. And tinkers back then, they, they basically, you know, would Handy fix things, man. worked with metal and stuff like that. Handyman. Yeah. But he was really, really poor. In fact, he said this when, when he first got married. He said, we came together as poor as poor might be, not having so much household stuff as a dish or spoon betwixt us both. Wow. <laughs> wow. Talk about poor. And then, I mean, if he was getting royalties and was still alive, can you imagine that on 250 million books? Yeah. But he became popular during the, the restoration of, of King Charles II. You know, you guys remember what happened with Cromwell and all that. And then, mm. you know, then there was a restoration. In fact, it's funny because we talked about the coronation on a previous podcast. This was the Charles before this Charles. You know, he's the third. This was the second. And at that time, a freedom of worship for separatists that was enjoyed for about 20 years had ended. And those who weren't conforming to the Church of England and coming under its dictates basically were, were getting arrested. And that's what happened to him. In January of 1661, he was locked up in jail. And he had the opportunity to get out if he just agreed to stop preaching, but he wouldn't. Ray Comfort. Were they modest, uh, modernists in that sense? They liberals, the, the church that he was under? Was that his contention? It was basically the difference between the separatists who wanted to not adhere to some of the forms of the Church of England that they disagreed with. Um, you but know, this is 1600s, to... so it would be pre-modernity. So technically, no, yeah. it wouldn't be modernist. Yeah, that happened, and he's in prison. And now he's separated from his wife and her new four children that she inherited from his previous wife. So they get married. She's now the mother of these four kids. One of them is blind. One of the daughters is blind. Her husband is now gone. How's he going to provide? And I, I've listened to some of the testimony of how she pleaded with the judge. I mean, it just like... Whew. Did really? you say why he got arrested? Because he wouldn't stop preaching yeah. on license. Okay. Yeah. And, and he could have left. I mean, if he would have recanted, yeah. Yeah. he would have been able to leave the prison. And I like one thing that he had said, I will stay in prison till, till the moss grows on my yes. eyelids. I was looking yes. for that. Rather than disobey right God. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Listen to this. He said, the parting hath oft been to me in this place as the pulling the flesh from my bones. He, uh, and, it's and like a bunion. You know what he did to support his family? He made hundreds of, a uh, hundred gross of long tagged shoelaces. That's, I mean, at least they let him work, but that's how he supported it. He would make shoelaces to, to support his family. How do you make shoelaces? On the outside. I'm sure you can figure it out, Ray. Ray, have you ever made leather jackets? Yes, one, one, yes, you unbeliever. When I you know, that was one of the most, that was, I have to say, that was probably one of the most wonderful things that I pretended to disbelieve <laughs> when I kept telling you, no, I don't believe you didn't make that. Because that stirred you to start making them again, yes, remember? I, yeah, I made one for um, Mike. And you made one for Richard Dawkins. That's right, yes. Yeah, Did I mean, not really? that, I didn't not, he didn't ask for it, but no. Ray made it and, and put it online. And But Ray... You are a brilliant leather. How did you figure out you could make leather jackets? I, it just, it just, it was evolution. Um, my <laughs> my grandfather was a uh, um, a bootmaker. 
And my grandfather on the other side was dress manufacturing. Oh, wow. So I made leather dresses, kind of. Dresses? Of, yeah, or like dressy leather jackets. Ah, yeah. They weren't, they weren't rough jackets. They were fully lined, covered buttons. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I, it was, I just taught myself. It was in my blood. It was kind That's of amazing, weird. Right? How, how, long, how long would it take you to make a jacket? Well, the fringe jackets that I used to make, the Easy Rider jackets, you know, the cowboy yeah. jackets, I can make one in an hour and three quarters from start to finish. I want one. Can I buy one from you? I, I yeah. seriously could not believe the quality of the, the leather jacket that you made. I really want one. It was pretty amazing. Ray, I dare you to make leather jackets again. I'm not doing it yet. Ever, <laughs> I'll ever pay again. you. Teach Lucy. No. Teach I'll, Lucy. I'll, I'll pay you in jackets. bringing uh, croissants. Ooh. Hey, oh, you've got, one, you've got one by this afternoon. <laughs> What's the smallest one you ever made? Uh, made it for Jacob. It's a 28-inch. The biggest one was a 53-inch chest I'm talking about. Who's a weightlifter. Wow. How big <clears> is uh, Easy's? Easy's 40, he's, he's 42 chest. How about me? No, Three. I'm like 86. 15. No, you're not. You're 42. <laughs> yeah, I'm buff, yo. You know what I'm saying? Um, Ray, I remember <laughs> seeing a, a picture of you. Uh, no, I remember seeing a picture of this giant guy uh, and this little kid. Yeah, that was would, Jacob and, and and oh, that was Jacob. In yeah, that Jacob. Yeah, when a twenty-eight inch leather jacket that I made for him and twenty-eight inch chest, and the other one was Graham May, the Commonwealth Game World, uh, sorry, the the gold medal weightlifter who came to see me and said, I want a leather jacket. That, wow. that took three cows to make it. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> well, yeah. back to bunions. I wanted to say, yeah, say it up, bunion. Years ago, I read this book on repentance. Actually, preparing for a, a CD thing that we did. And I remember reading this quote by the, the guy in the book was quoting John Bunyan. He said like this, the difference between true and false repentance lies in this. The man who truly repents cries out against his heart, but the other as Eve against the serpent or something else. Oh, I love, I remember reading that's that. So I was like, good. oh man, that's great. Wait, I just found something on Google. It was later discovered after Bunyan's death that his name actually wasn't Bunyan. The first <laughs> letter of his first name and last name were switched around. His real name was Bon Junyan. Hmm. <laughs> Sounds like Bon Jovi. Yeah. I thought you were going to bon say his, his name was John Onion or something like that. <laughs> no, we're it's gonna, Bon Junyan. We're getting an email from John Bunyan the 30th. Like, how dare you? No, you mean from his lawyers. <laughs> Bunyan the 40th. I'm John Bunyan's lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I represent the, the bunions. Oh, the wees. <laughs> so anyway, talk about God's grace and mercy on his life. So the guy's in prison for for years. I think it was 12 years. So would it be right to say prison was a cocoon from which the butterfly of Pilgrim's Progress Ooh. flew out? Oh, it's beautiful, I right? By the, listen, by the age of 59, though, talk about a change of fortunes, if you would. By the age of 59, he became one of England's most famous writers. Mm. He carried out his pastoring duties. In fact, they nicknamed him Bishop Bunyan. <laughs> they did not. <laughs> BB. Terrible, man. <laughs> Why didn't they change his name? Uh, Bishop Bunyan. And then in 16, 1688, he was riding through some heavy rain to reconcile a father and a son, and he got ill and died. I mean, how beautiful, though, that that was his last journey. Mm. He was going to bring reconciliation. And, and what happened? He died. What of? Uh, he just caught something, you know, rain, cold, probably a pneumonia. I don't know. Well, that's uh, sad. And then he died. Crocodiles. You know what I love about John Bunyan? I don't know. When people talk about... Not his name? Yeah, that's <laughs> for sure. When people talk about certain things and you know that they experienced them and lived them out. Listen to what he said about prayer. He said, prayer is a sincere, sensible, affectionate pouring out of the heart or soul to God through Christ and the strength and assistance of the Holy Spirit for such things as God has promised or according to the word of God for the good of the church with submission and faith. 
to the will of God. Wow. It's it beautiful. Juan Bunyan said that? Juan. Juan Bunyantos. But you I, have gonna, a, oh, God, I have a couple good uh, quotes on prayer. Yeah, since yeah. you brought it up. Mm-hmm. He said, in prayer, it is better to have a heart without words oh, yeah. than words, words without, without a heart. Without a heart. Yeah, yeah, I saw and, that on Google too. So, yeah. uh, too. Prayer will make a man cease from sin or sin will entice a man. Mm, so cease from prayer. That's right. But <laughs> yeah. so, so neat. And listen, I think that those are really kind of birthed from uh, experience. Yeah. You know, much like the books that he'd written inside prison, that they're birthed out of craziness and despair and trials. How much greatness is really birthed under the ground of difficulty Yeah, as opposed to just having a free-willed life. Concerning trials, he said, it is said that in some countries trees will grow, but will bear no fruit because there is no winter there. Mm. Right? It's just... That's uh, true. It makes me think of like cherry trees in Japan, right? Yeah. because of the cold. Yeah. And then, then without that, yeah. they wouldn't... Yeah. Guys, aren't quotes... I mean, a pithy quote, aren't they so pregnant? They, they just... Can I quote you on that? Yeah, yeah. like he who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find him in the rest of the day. That's mm. at least 32 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, Mark, you got interrupted, though. You're going to, you're still... Yeah, no, that, that, no that, that was, yeah. that's basically the idea of we run after the white picket fence, but God just knows what's best for us. And we want to jump out of the pot when it gets hot. And God says, you don't know what you're asking. Mm-hmm. You know, if Jesus would have got his request, you know, let this cup pass from me, we wouldn't be sitting here, you know, today uh, having fellowship, you know, around things that truly matter. So we can't despise difficult things and small things that are happening inside of our lives. I was thinking about Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane, you know, as he was sweating great drops of blood. And and it wasn't just at the end of it, when he was asking the Father if there's any way the cup can pass from him, it wasn't just, but your will be done. He said, not my will, but yours be done. What an example that is to us, to say, Lord, I don't want my will, I want your will, to deny ourselves and to be eager to live under the will of God. You know, and I think when we aren't desirous of living under the will of God, we're disconnected from true reality. Who in the world would want anything but the will of God? That's right. You know, what you just said, that how we can just grab one scripture and we can just go right up close with a magnifying glass so we can go up close with a microscope and and see what it says in depth. I was just thinking of the Lord's Prayer. This is King James. Hmm. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. God's is. It's not will be. It Hmm. is the kingdom. His is the power Hmm. and the glory. It is. It's not something that will be or might be. It is. And I just love the way we can grab scripture and just open it up. Speaking of that, we were doing our family devotional two nights ago and we were reading about when Jesus curses the tree. It struck me like it never had before. And I thought of the reality that Jesus cursed the tree and the tree died. Mm. And I thought like, think about all of us, like our lives are like this tree. And if it's not bearing the fruit that Jesus commands from it, we too will be cursed by him. Right. Wow. That's heavy. Talking about the afflictions that he went through, what what a testimony his life was in that arena. You know, he said afflictions make the heart more deep, more experimental, more knowing and profound. And then he said, in times of affliction, we commonly meet with the sweetest experiences of the love of God. You can imagine him being in prison. I mean, forget the circumstances, right? Internally, you've got a wife and four kids and Mm. one of them blind and you can't be with them. You can't be out there providing as you would. You can't be freely out there proclaiming the gospel. But 
he wouldn't recant. All he had to do is say, I won't preach. But he said, you know what his philosophy was? There's no point in letting me out because I'm going to be right back here because I'm going to preach. There's no way. I, I cannot but. You Did know? they allow visits from his wife? Um, <laughs> I, I think, I, yeah, I mean, they, I think so. Good. Um, but I don't know what kind of visits they were. He said this, when thou prayest, rather let thy heart be without words than thy words be without heart. You guys said it wrong. Why did you get a King James all of a sudden? Because you guys said it wrong. (laughs) That's how he said it. He did it? So he said it in King James. No, this one's good. You can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. Pray often, for prayer is a shield to the soul, a sacrifice to God, and a scourge to Satan. Mm, Powerful. Guys, why is prayer the hardest spiritual discipline, aside from evangelism? Really? Probably because it's the uh, most hated by the enemy, and so there's resistance all around. And the flesh, I find praying very difficult. It's the most difficult thing in my spiritual disciplines. Yeah. Did you guys find the same, Oscar? Mark? Yeah, I think you ask why. I think, and maybe this is a, an act of confession, I think in all of us there's a sense of unbelief. Mm. I think that's the reason why it's hard. Because I've, I've said before, if I closed my eyes and was like, Lord God in heaven. And when I opened him, there was this giant wormhole over my head in which I can peer into the heavens and I can see God sitting on his throne, leaning in and listening to me the same way a, fa- a loving father listens to his son. I would never stop praying. Yeah, I would pray all the time. Yet that's exactly what's happening. But because I can't see reality, I think a sense of unbelief stops me from yeah. doing it all the time. That's so true. And so spoken by an ex-atheist. That's just so wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've often said that prayer is the barometer uh, of where we're at as Christians, mm-hmm. spiritually, because it is a, it's an act of faith. I mean, you're talking into the air to a God who you can't see, whose voice you can't hear, who you can't feel or touch. You know, you're sitting there for a long period of time. That's an act of faith. At the same time, as I've mentioned before on the podcast, even if you're not feeling things when you're there, it's a demonstration of faith because we can show our faith by our works, right? We, we don't feel God is near. We don't really think prayer is effective, but we're there and we're staying faithful and consistent. And oftentimes though, I'll tell you, when I emerge from prayer, there's a, a settled sense in the depth of my soul that I can't explain. Ray, you're nodding. Yeah, you, you, you've done the right thing. But the, my, the big provocation for prayer for me is that one verse, without me, you can do nothing. Amen. And so that's why I pray. I don't want to do nothing. I want to do something. So I have to stir myself to prayer. Mm. Yeah. Go ahead, please. No. Yeah. Bunyan said, the truths that I know best, I have learned on my knees. Mm. I never know a thing well till it is burned into my heart by prayer. A short man is on his knees always. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, he said this. So this is good. He said, he that is down need never fear no fall. Oh, good. (laughs) Is that good? Yeah. Yeah. Mark, uh, you were going to say something. Remember the idea that uh, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees? Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there was, and we've talked about this before, that the apostles saw something about Jesus's prayer life uh, enough to where they said, teach us how to pray. Mm-hmm. It's not recorded where they said, teach us how to preach, teach us how to perform miracles, teach us how to do different things. There was, they saw communion with Jesus and the Father that they wanted. And yeah. They, You've ever been with somebody who is truly praying, right? Our pastor says, pray until you've prayed, Hmm. right? 
there, that there's a, there's a moment where there's just breakthrough. Yes. Where you are realizing that you have the bent ear of God and he's listening to every word, right? Mm. There's just warfare that's attached uh, to that. You think of with Daniel, when Daniel began to pray and then there was uh, the demons uh, that it says that they were, the angel was released like two weeks prior you know, when he first began to pray, but he had fought with the demons that was in Medes and Persia. Yeah, I don't remember. Right. The princes you know, of, yeah. There's just warfare that, that that is going on. Ian Bounds said, talking to men for God is a great thing, but talking to God for men is greater still. Amen. We, to Oscar's point, we would not leave our knees mm. if we were to see God in the midst of our prayer. Amen. Yeah, and you think about the reality that God is the God who both speaks and a God who listens. And one of my favorite books that I've read maybe in the last five years is this book called Everything Sad is Untrue by a gentleman named Daniel Nairi. I think, I hope I'm saying his last name right. And there's this point in the book, he talks about this. He says, like, some people think that God is simply a God who speaks and other people think that God is simply a God who listens. And he concludes it like this. He says, a God who listens is love. A God who speaks is law. At their worst, the people who want a God who only listens are self-centered. And the ones who want a God who only speaks are cruel. They just want laws and justice to crush everything. But love is empty without justice. Justice is cruel without love. God is both. If he isn't, there is no God. In other words, he is a God who speaks and he is a God who listens. And that's what happens in our prayers. That's so good. Samuel Chadwick, listen to this. Prayer turns ordinary mortals into men of prayer. It brings power. It brings fire. It brings rain. It brings life. It brings God. Mm. I love that. Mark, you said something that triggered something in my mind. You said, you know, because there there is a point of breakthrough often in prayer. And I've mentioned it before when we talked about prayer on the podcast. And that's, you know, I liken it to a plane that's that's on its climb and it gets into the clouds and it's bad weather. And you could feel the plane shaking. You hear the, the turbulence and, and you look out the window, it's great dark. But if that plane continues on its trajectory climbing upwards before long, poof, breaks through the clouds and there's an instant change. It goes from that darkness, that tribulation, that shaking, that, and it's just, you see nothing but blue sky above. You look down, you see the white puffy clouds, and it's just... And all the screaming stopped. So <laughs> right. And there are times where I'll, I'll get there. And I know you guys have experienced it as believers. You feel like you can pray forever. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. And yet at the same time, it's remembering that it's God who fuels our prayers, right? This the spirit intercedes for us with groans too deep to utter. And, and Bunyan said this, he said, the best prayer I ever prayed had enough sin to damn the whole world. <laughs> oh, wow. Whoa, wow. right? So it's like, that shows us we, we need to be even dependent on the Lord in our prayers to help us in, in our weakness in that Have regard. Have you seen that? I don't know if it's a pamphlet or a, uh, a sermon that he wrote, but I, I do know that in those days he had huge titles for books and for sermons, but this is called, it is true, I do love my sins, my lusts and pleasures. This is still the quote of the title. (laughs) A few sighs from heaven or the groans from the damned soul by that poor and contemptible servant of Jesus Christ, John Bunyan. Oh. That's how to sell that many books. Just have a humble heart. Oh, yeah. And 
and he was humble. And it really all came down to Christ for him. He said, indeed, this is one of the greatest mysteries in the world, namely a righteousness that resides with a person in heaven should justify me, a sinner on earth. Mm. He was all about the gospel. That's what enabled him to persevere through prison yeah. and through having his family be without him and, and all the difficulties that, that were a part of that for 12 years. It was the knowledge that he was saved and that heaven was coming. And if you ask John Bunyan now in eternity, uh, was it worth it? <laughs> he said, weep not for me, but for yourselves. I go to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will through the mediation of his blessed son, receive me though a sinner. There we shall meet to sing the new song and remain everlasting happy world without end. Amen. Oh, man. Friend, if you're touched by this, don't forget these last words by John Bunyan. No child of God sins to that degree as to make himself incapable of forgiveness. Run to Jesus today. If your heart is stirred and you, you, you've been distant from the Lord, living in compromise, you've been angry, you've been bitter, whatever, run to the Lord. There's no sin you can commit that's incapable of his forgiveness because of his blood that he shed. Mm -hmm. So there you have it, friends. Wow, this was edifying. You know, we talked a lot about prayer. Was, we weren't even planning that, but it's beautiful that that came out of the life of a man who was so committed to Christ. I totally agree. Oh, I thought you were gonna say something. All I right, did, friends. I just well, did. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there you have it, friends. Don't forget, my comfort is Jesus and the Evidence Bible at livingwaters.com. Give us a rating, please. Give us some comments. We've read them here. You hear us. We'll read your comment, maybe. And uh, if you want your name mispronounced, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, yeah. But if you want your name mispronounced, write to us. Yeah, write to us here. But yeah, friends, thank you so much. Remember, podcast at livingwaters.com with any thoughts or questions and give us those comments, share the podcast, and we'll see you here next time on the Living Waters podcast, where we have no idea what, Mark? We're doing what we're doing. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Will and Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.